0: It is Thursday, the 12th of March, and this is the Monocle Minute. Today, the complex relationship between Libya and many European nations. Then, how the coronavirus outbreak in Italy emphasizes the importance of culture. Plus, Copenhagen's new Museum of Happiness. I am Marcus Hippi in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. Up first, let's hear from Monaco's affairs editor Chris Chermok on the complex relationship between Libya and many European nations.
1: A whirlwind diplomatic tour for renegade Libyan commander Khalifa Haftar this week has included meetings with French President Emmanuel Macron and German Chancellor Angela Merkel. For European leaders, who are motivated in part by a desire to avoid a second refugee crisis off their shores, the goal is to convince Haftar to agree a ceasefire with the national government in Tripoli and stick to the terms of a peace agreement reached in Berlin in January. But Mary Fitzgerald, a writer, researcher, and longtime Libya watcher, warns it might be counterproductive. She spoke to Monocle 24's The Briefing.
2: Haftar likes to visit European and other capitals, likes to feel important because it sends a message to his support base in Libya, but also the external backers, the United Arab Emirates, Egypt, Saudi Arabia and Russia also. It sends a message to them as well that that he's important.
1: Mary Fitzgerald there. What she says is a great reminder that rolling out the diplomatic carpet doesn't always send the message intended.
0: Denmark has announced it will open the nation's first happiness museum in Copenhagen. It will be funded and organised by the think tank Institute for Luge Forskning, or Happiness Research Institute. Make Viking is the head of the institute, and this is how he described the museum that will open in May.
1: We we'll try to give people a uh, sort of a 360 view around happiness, so they will see the history of happiness. So how have the good life, our perception of the good life evolved over time. And we will do a section on the science of happiness. How is it actually that we try to measure happiness, well-being, quality of life. There will be a section on Nordic happiness. There will also be a section on the politics of happiness. So how are governments using and abusing happiness. Um, So a lot of different elements, and we'll try to do it interactive, so we ask people some of the questions that we try to deal with and make them part of the exhibition as well. We're trying to answer the same questions at the museum that Aristotle tried to answer 2,000 years ago. So I think… These days are are difficult days, but we want to understand how can we create better conditions for good lives, and that's what we're trying to understand both at the Happiness Research Institute and the Happiness Museum.
0: Make Viking there, and Monikos Louis Harnas Omar has been following this story. Louis, why do you think it's Denmark that's decided to launch a museum of happiness?
3: So Denmark are just famously a happy country. I think in the last ranking, which was in 2019, they came in second place as the happiest country according to the UN Happiness Index. But um, they've come in the top three for the past, I don't know how many years. They consistently have that ranking and that kind of puts them in a good position to open this sort of museum.
0: How good is a museum like this for the country brand of Denmark?
3: Well, I suppose it's reflective of who they are as a country. They they value happiness. They value people feeling as though they're represented and they have a good welfare state. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely a positive thing and it's not a big surprise that it's there, actually.
0: What do you think are the main lessons Nordic countries, such as Denmark or, for example, Finland, that was leading the latest ranking list? What can these kind of nations teach other countries about happiness?
3: Well, I suppose there's a few difficult elements because that big cities aren't as happy and that's just a fact of bigger cities and you know in Scandinavian countries cities are smaller if you go further south then they get bigger and I suppose that makes things a little bit difficult for teaching other people but I suppose what we can learn is that if you kind of improve healthcare systems education basic necessities then people are happier
0: what do you think are the main lessons visitors will learn from this new museum that's due to open in May
3: as you mentioned in uh, earlier, they teach you about the political history and how that can be used and abused. And they also teach you a little bit about the science. So you get a sense of both the history and the kind of anatomy of how happiness functions in the brain. So I think there's a lot to learn. And also it's what they're learning about you. So the museum will be conducting experiments and things like that, and they'll be learning a little bit about what makes people happy who come into the museum, and from that they can uh, think about how to apply it.
0: And will you visit the museum when it opens in a couple of months' time?
3: I'm not sure if I'll be over in Copenhagen in a couple of months' time, but if I'm in a good mood, maybe I'll take a flight.
0: Monocles, Louis Harness Omar Thank you very much. Let's then continue with Monaco's Chiara Rimella, who looks at the role of culture in difficult times.
2: Italians will be spending a lot of time at home in the coming weeks. With movement restricted to trips to work or to gather essentials such as food, a number of companies are out to ensure that people also don't run out of another thing that's fundamental to their well-being, culture. Bookshops such as La Scatola Lilla in Milan may be closed, but the bookseller Cristina Di Canio isn't on holiday. Instead, she is recommending a book a day and taking orders for free home deliveries. The same goes for bookshops up and down the peninsula. Radio stations are also opening up their archives with hours of stories for children to listen to. Museums are organising virtual tours and online lectures by authors, intellectual and artists abound. These moves are partly a response to advice from the Minister of Culture, Dario Franceschini, who has invited cultural institutions around the country to keep providing some degree of programming that can be viewed remotely. But reminding people of the joy of clutching a new book is also an important lesson that will hopefully stick after everyone returns to their old routines.
0: My thanks to Kiara for that. Then, elsewhere on today's agenda, Britain has launched a £30 billion economic stimulus plan as Finance Minister Rishi Sunak says the economy faces a significant impact from the spread of coronavirus, even if it is likely to be temporary. Meanwhile, the Bank of England has announced an emergency cut in interest rates. Policymakers reduced rates from 075 to 0.25%, which means that borrowing is back down to the lowest level in the UK's history. And Melbourne's Design Week kicks off today with the theme of how design can shape life. The festival shines the spotlight more on local designers than international gallerists, which is part of the reason it has been able to go ahead at a time when other international design events have been scaled back or cancelled. There are talks from the likes of government advisor and artificial intelligence specialists Specialist Ellen Broad and also Bas van Abel, founder of the world's first sustainably produced smartphone. The event also encompasses a book fair and film festival. Read more about today's stories by subscribing to our daily email bulletin as our website. I am Markus in The Monocle Minute returns on Friday.